Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Tomorrow, just about everyone in our beloved country is going to come together and is going to gather in homes and celebrate this cultural tradition that we know as Thanksgiving. And you know all the tropes that go along with that. I don't need to spend a lot of time revisiting them. We don't need to talk about your crazy uncle who gets beat red whenever he talks about politics with your second cousin twice removed. We don't need to talk about your hilarious wine-drinking aunt who on one hand is the life of the party, but on the other she's completely inappropriate. Uh, We don't need to talk about your younger cousin who's going to be glued to his iPad or his device and uh, all the adults are going to give him a lot of grief and they're going to be all sanctimonious about it. But then whenever the football game comes on, guess what they're going to be glued to, right? There's a time and a place to poke fun at all that stuff, of course. But what I'd like for us to consider this evening and tomorrow as we joyfully participate in this tradition is its purpose for Christians. Its purpose for Christians and the rich opportunity that we have to both receive the Lord's gifts with glad and generous hearts, as the first disciples did, and and to bear witness with our lives as to what thanksgiving is all about. No, I'm not talking about thanksgiving, the celebration. I'm talking about the Christian virtue. I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the sacrifices which are pleasing to God because they come from the lips of those who are redeemed and loved by Him. When I say Thanksgiving, I'm talking about a lifestyle more than I am talking about an American holiday. Thanksgiving is one of the key markers of the Christian life. Thanksgiving is one of the key markers of your life. When you were born again by water and the Holy Spirit through baptism, God poured out His Spirit upon you. He consecrated you to Himself as an instrument of righteousness. So your entire life is one of continuous praise and thanksgiving to God, which is what it means to be a living sacrifice, which is what Romans chapter 12 tells us, that we are to be a living sacrifice In fact, we can even say that the inverse is true as well. Those who reject God by suppressing His truth and unrighteousness are actually marked by thanklessness, by lawlessness. Romans 1 says this about unbelievers. It says, They are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Tomorrow, so many will gather around tables. And even if they offer up a prayer of thanksgiving, they will offer it up to some vague, faceless notion of God or to the universe or to a world spirit. Or if they are really secular, they will just settle for giving out positive vibes with no thought or regard for God. On their best days, they know that they ought to be grateful. This is a cultural value that we all share, that we ought to be thankful. We ought to practice thanksgiving. It's part of our society. But they really don't know to whom they should express their gratitude and where they should go to do it. Now, this is not to disparage our unbelieving neighbors. This is not to 
talk down about our pseudo-spiritual but not really religious family members and friends. I'm not suggesting that we're better than them in the slightest. What I am saying is that you have a better story to tell. You have a better story to live and to embody, to show forth in your life that you have this attitude, this posture in your life of thanksgiving, generosity, cheerfulness that is anchored in something very real, something substantial, something with actual skin on it. You are not directing your prayers to a nameless God who is somewhere out there who might be able to listen to us. You're not just sending out positive vibes, although feel free to do that. You live your life as a living, breathing sacrifice, a continual outpouring of praise and thanksgiving to a God who has not withheld His identity from us, but has come to us as a real flesh and blood human in Jesus Christ. And this changes everything, my friends. It changes how we worship. It changes how we interact with God. How we live every second of this bodily life that He's given to us, knowing that because of the gospel, this bodily life of yours and mine will continue into eternity. In the gospel lesson this evening, some of you are used to hearing this on Thanksgiving. You're familiar with the story. Jesus was passing through a village on His way to Jerusalem when He was spotted by those ten lepers who interrupted Him during His travels. And this is the type of interruption that Jesus always had time for. He was never put off by it. They stood at a distance from Him and they called out to Him because in those days, leprosy was a horrible disease that cut you off from all societal interactions, from all social life, and from the religious life of the community. You had to go outside if you were going to go in public and you had to announce yourself to everyone that you are unclean and that way people would know that they were to keep their distance from you it's akin to having covid in our day but times 20 all right you have to sequester yourself off from society it was a disease that was horrible it killed you without you even knowing it and so it was a group of nine jews and one samaritan this interesting mixture because there's nothing like a deadly disease to really bring these historically estranged ethnic groups together. The story really starts out on a positive note. And the lepers should be commended here because they go to the right place. They go to the right person to get what they need. They cried out to the Lord. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It was a beautiful prayer with all the right theology. And they acknowledged Jesus for who He was, and they understood that He could do this thing that they desired, which was just to be free from this miserable condition. All good there. No complaints so far. Because taking people who are in dire straits with no hope of helping themselves and completely changing their situation and giving them the blessed hope of an eternal future is right up Jesus' alley. In fact, it's His specialty. And for the lepers, by virtue of their faith in Him, Jesus gave them the aid that they needed. Now, many times in the Scriptures, Jesus heals just by speaking a word. Sometimes He heals through means 
through uh, physical means, like whenever he spat into the dirt to make mud. Or uh, another example would be somebody grabbing onto the hem of his garment to be healed. But in this case, he sends them away to go be seen by the priests at the temple. According to Levitical law, if you were somehow cured of, of a disease like this, you had to go be inspected by the priest and there would have to be certain sacrifices to be offered so that you could be ceremonially clean again. And here, the lepers are to be commended again. Because although they didn't see any instant results, and although Jesus was very capable of those results, just by speaking a word, they took him at his word when they left for the temple. They knew that, okay, even though I'm not seeing it right now, somehow what Jesus says will come to pass. And wouldn't you know it, they were healed on the way to the temple. What a remarkable account of faith in Christ, the testimony and the witness of such faith when it's rightly placed. What an account of the mercy of Christ and His kindness towards those who are cut off. What a wonderful story. It would be a nice, clean story with a clear message of gospel if it ended there. But it gets messy, doesn't it? Only one man came back and presented himself as that living sacrifice that we heard about in Romans 12. Only one man knew where the priest actually was, where the temple and the sacrifice actually was. Not in Jerusalem, but in the flesh and blood person of Jesus. And it wasn't any of the Jews that came back, but it was this Samaritan, this foreigner who had previously been cut off from the true worship of God, not just by virtue of him being a leper, but by virtue of him being a Samaritan. He would have been ceremonially unclean, even if he had access to God's word and the true worship. But now, this was an indication that this man was no longer cut off, but that he was brought near through faith in Christ. He was no longer an alien, a stranger, but he had been made an heir of the promise. A son of Abraham, one of God's own children through the mercy of Jesus. The nine Jews who did not come back to Jesus failed to realize the significance of what had happened to them. The kingdom of God in all of its fullness had come to them in a person with a name, a face, with real flesh and blood. And yet they did not see fit to return to the place where they had received their salvation. This person through which God brought heaven to earth as their bodies were healed and they were given a foreshadowing of the new creation. The Samaritan was different. He knew where his bread was buttered. This was not some vague, generic spirituality enacted by those who know they ought to be grateful to a God somewhere up there. This is a real sacrifice of thanksgiving. This is a Eucharistic offering from someone who knows where God is to be found in the flesh and blood person of Jesus. And so he lavished praise 
upon God by bowing at the feet of Jesus and thanking Him. Those two ideas go hand in hand, by the way. Because God wants our worship and our praise to be directed to Him through the Son, the person of Jesus, who is both God and man in one person. He is the priest. He is the temple. He is the sacrifice. And Jesus blesses us when we do this. Just as He blessed and He affirmed the Samaritan. Yeah, he voiced his frustration at those guys that stayed away. He said, he said, where they're not ten healed, it's just this foreigner who comes back. But then he praises the Samaritan's faith. He says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. What is Jesus saying whenever he told the Samaritan this? He's saying, because your faith is anchored in me, you shall have all the blessings of both body and soul that I intend to give to all who believe in me. Think of those blessings and those benefits that you and I have received from Jesus. Because through the word of Christ in holy baptism, you have been cured of your leprosy. This oft unseen contagion of sin that produces death. And because of the corruption of that sin, our earthly bodies contract diseases of every kind. But through His death and His resurrection, Jesus has promised us a future apart from anything that afflicts our bodies and our souls so that we would have a seat at that banquet table in eternity. And we, like the Samaritan leper, have been connected to that promise by His Word through holy baptism. And until we see the fulfillment of that promise in its full, we see glimpses of that future reality breaking in here and now as God tends to our bodily needs of this life, as He provides us with everything that we need, and as He even heals us according to His will. And because He has given us the highest and the loftiest gifts of salvation and eternal life in the gospel. And He's given us everything down to the simplest pleasures in life such as pecan and pumpkin pie. It is our duty to thank, praise, serve, and obey Him. One more thing. There's a nice connection here to the Lord's Supper that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. Some of you know the preface in the communion liturgy. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. It's the Eucharistic offering. The sacrifice of thanksgiving that is proper and appropriate. It's fitting for the life of the redeemed child of God. Every day is a day of thanksgiving for you because you enjoy the fruits of creation and all those bodily blessings that God bestows upon you, but also you enjoy the fruits of redemption that Jesus won for you with His own blood. So we praise and thank God, not in the abstract, not the nameless, faceless God who exists somewhere out there, but we praise and thank God in the concrete reality of Jesus Christ, that divine human who comes to us in the means of grace. And because He comes to us, brothers and sisters, it changes everything. It changes how we live our lives. It changes us in that we have a better story to tell 
We have a better story to live our lives by, to live before those who don't have anywhere to plant their flag of thanksgiving. Your life and your words and even how you treat your crazy uncle will be a testimony to all who are with you of where you find your mercy, of where your bread is buttered. And as they receive that word of gospel from you, as they see that testimony, that witness in your life, that in Jesus are all the blessings and the benefits of the kingdom, forgiveness, life, and salvation, some will stay away. They will. They might agree with you. They might buy what you're selling, but they'll stay away. But some, like the Samaritan, will return to give thanks and praise to God. And for that, we have every reason to thank and praise God as well. Amen.